Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We continue our sermon series called Glimpses today where we find shadows of Jesus in the Old Testament. Our desire is that through this series you would find great joy and renewed reason to meditate on the Old Testament as well as the New. We have Christine share God's word with us today from Isaiah 42. This is one of the passages that addresses Jesus as God's chosen servant and shows us a picture of his selfless humble service while on earth. As you listen, we pray that you will come before the throne ready to serve your master with all that you are and have. Bring God's word to you today as you know we've been doing this series on glimpses. We have been looking at different facets of Jesus from the book of Isaiah and um over the past 4 weeks we've looked at how Jesus is Emmanuel, he's God with us. We've seen how he's a rock of refuge and a stone of stumbling. We've also seen how uh when we know Jesus we can live with a healthy fear of God. And we saw last week how there are good kings, bad kings and the true king, Jesus the king. And today we're going to be looking at another facet of Jesus as described in Isaiah chapter 42. So without wasting much time we're going to get into the text. Isaiah 42 verses 1 to 4 I'm reading from the amplified version. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not call out or shout aloud, nor make his voice heard in the street. A broken reed he will not break off, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will not harm those who are weak and suffering. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed in spirit. He will persevere until he has established justice. on the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law so when we look at this passage it's heavily talking about the life of jesus when he came to earth his modus operandi how did he interact with people how did he conduct his ministry for those 3 years this depicts it perfectly and it it's so beautiful because it depicts the humility the complete and total humility of God becoming man of Jesus God in the flesh this is the god that we love and worship isn't it amazing such a humble god such a humble man he was willing to be called a servant in order to serve the people on earth and i love how the message version says this exact passage i want to read it for you because it it really adds emotion to this passage this is what it says take a good look at my servant i'm backing him to the hilt He is the one I chose and I couldn't be more pleased with him. I've bathed him with my spirit, my life. He'll set everything right among the nations. He won't call attention to what he does with loud speeches or gaudy parades. He won't brush aside the bruised, the hurt, and he won't disregard the small and insignificant, but he'll steadily and firmly set things right. He won't tire out and quit. He won't be stopped until he's finished his work to set things right. on earth far flung ocean islands wait expectantly for his teaching jesus doesn't sound anything like today's politicians or influencers or entertainers he doesn't sound like someone that we could relate to in in today's scenario today it's all about self promotion it's all about presentation but jesus it says here he didn't draw attention to himself he didn't attract attention to himself he was not you know in your face nothing he did was gaudy or in you know or abrasive 
he he didn't overlook the most overlooked today we look at we live in times where if someone has a certain skill that is on display we gravitate towards them we overlook the ones with mediocre talent we overlook the ones who probably are weak in certain aspects but jesus looked at everyone and i love that this passage depicts to us why he is called a servant today we are into more you know we want more fluff we want more filters we want more platform we want more photo ops but jesus was all about less he did more with less that's the beauty of jesus and i'm so glad when i was reading this passage i was so glad that i have a god who doesn't push me aside when i'm emotionally weary when i'm physically weak when i'm spiritually dry he doesn't push me away it says he does not snuff out a smoking flax a bruised reed he will not break sometimes we are at breaking point and this gentle compassionate servant king deals with me so gently aren't you glad about that i love these verses it says he's steadily and firmly setting things right if you looked at the news this week it was so disheartening so heartbreaking to see what was happening to women around our country and as i was reading this passage i realized that while on the surface of it while the media pushes these these news articles and it's someone's life but it was being told like a story behind the scenes our god is working and it says he is steadily and firmly setting things right that is our god i'm so glad that it says he doesn't tire he doesn't think of quitting how many times we have thought of throwing in the towel maybe you're saying i can't do this marriage anymore i'm going to throw in the towel maybe you're saying parenting this teen is getting too hard for me i'm done maybe you're saying your career your business is not taking off lord i'm ready to throw in the towel just give it all up but he's a god who doesn't tire of me he doesn't tire of he doesn't even think of quitting it says and i love that how amazing that nothing can stop his redeeming work on earth if you're thinking the world is world is going from bad to worse you're probably right but let me remind you of this that this is a god who is quietly working at restoring the earth he is doing what he does best now the passage doesn't stop there so it the initial part of this passage talks about this servant king this servant uh, who is god's chosen servant jesus and then it goes on to address a little more about the messiah but when you read it in most translations it sounds like it's directly addressing us and since as followers of jesus we share in his mission i believe that we can really appropriate this part of the passage to ourselves so i'm going to continue reading it it's from verses 5 to 8 this is what it says thus says god the lord who created the heavens and stretched them out who spread out the earth and what comes from it who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it i am the lord i have called you in righteousness i will take you by the hand and keep you i will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon from the prison those who sit in darkness i am the lord that is my name my glory i give to no other nor my praise to carved idols now it it might feel certain verses are a bit random why why would you know isaiah write these things we look at it you know line by line so initially in this part the second part of this passage god is actually telling us who he is through isaiah he's saying this is who i am i created the heavens and the earth i have put breath in every living being and i have put my spirit on those who walk the 
face of the earth. So now this should clarify to us as to what our roles are as followers of Christ. I love saying that we are a follower of Christ. I think because on some level, I have found that using that term follower of Christ gives a bit of distance between Christ and me. So if Christ is walking two steps ahead of me, I'm walking behind him. And, and it's it's not like I'm expected to do too much when I'm a follower. But today I want to, I've titled today's sermon as Servants of the Servant King. That's who we are. And I want to ask you, does that offend you? That you are actually a servant of the servant king. Because a servant implies that yes, I am behind this master, but I am at his beck and call. I serve at his pleasure. There's this phrase that is often used for those who serve presidents and prime ministers or queens and kings. They say, I serve at his pleasure. I serve at her pleasure. What does that mean? When they call, I answer. When they summon, I go. When they send me, I go. That's what serving at the pleasure is. And today, you and I have to come to this place of saying, I serve the servant king. I am a servant. Nothing more, nothing less. And we will get into um, greater detail about this. But before we go there, you might ask me, what's the proof that I need to be a servant? I thought I'm a friend of God. I thought I'm a follower of Jesus. I thought I'm a child of God. And all of that is true. We are all of that. But when you look at the first part of the passage, you see that God actually breathed life into us. And as long as there is life in our bodies, we owe it all to him. We owe everything that we say and do to him. Everything I can accomplish today is because of him. Everything that I can do, I can't do it without him. I remember the the childhood movie that Disney created called Pinocchio. And I was reading up a bit about it to understand where the story actually came from. So it was written by an Italian writer in the 1800s. And he originally, when he wrote it, he wrote about this little woodwork artisan and he was working with a piece of enchanted wood. And he carved out this beautiful little wooden boy named it Pinocchio and it came to life, right? Now, as when in the movie, it actually, there was a fairy godmother who comes and touches it and brings it to life. But in the original story, this enchanted piece of wood, as he carved it, it came to life on its own. And the interesting thing is that this little wooden doll called Pinocchio, as Geppetto, the the woodman, was working on it, the minute he created its face and its features and all of that, it started to verbally abuse the maker. And then when he created the hands and the legs, apparently as soon as he created the legs, the little wooden toy ran away from its maker. And Long story short, Pinocchio wanders off, goes astray, gets into wrong company, is put into a prison of sorts, and then is lost at sea, swallowed by a shark, where he encounters his maker again. Sound familiar? Sounds like a lot of us. Sometimes we forget that the one who made us is the one that we serve. So often the very hands that have made us, we push away. We say, God, I don't want your hands on this. God, I don't want your interference in this. Yeah, you're telling me to do this, Lord, but I think I'll go in the opposite direction. But today I want us to remember that if this passage tells us anything, that the one who breathed breath into our lungs, the one who has put his spirit into us is the one that we serve. Are you ready to be called a servant of the Most High God? Two things that I want to leave with you today from this passage. When we looked at this passage, it talks about how God has called us in righteousness to do a bunch of things. And then he closes with this interesting thing. He says, I am the Lord. I don't give my glory to another. So I want to leave two things with you. 
for each one of us as followers of Jesus, as lovers of Jesus, we are also called to be servants of Christ. And what does it look like to be a servant of Christ? The first thing I believe is that we will be totally committed to the call of God on our lives. Totally committed to the call. What does that look like? Isaiah 42 verses 6 to 7 in the message says this, I am God. I have called you to live right and live well. I have taken responsibility for you, kept you safe. I have set you among my people to bind them to me and provided you as a lighthouse to the nations to make a start at bringing people into the open, into light. Opening blind eyes, releasing prisoners from dungeons, emptying the dark prisons. These verses remind us of what all of our calling is. Every single person who calls Jesus their Lord and Savior, this is our calling. We have been called to live right and to live bright. Okay, this is just for ease of remembering. You're called to live right and live bright because that is the call on our lives. You can be an entrepreneur. You can be a a person who works in a beauty parlor. You could be someone who is a mechanic. You could be a restaurant owner. You could be a cook. You could be anything. You could be a household help. You could be someone involved in maintenance. But here's the deal. You're calling is to live right and to live bright. What does that look like? Okay, living right. It looks, it says here, I have taken responsibility for you, kept you safe. I've called you to live right and well. In the NLT, it says, I've called you to demonstrate my righteousness. You and I, the way we live our everyday nine to five work lives, our six to 12 night lives at home, how we live it will demonstrate his righteousness. And he has called us to live right. The second part of that is living bright. What does that look like? It looks like binding ourselves to God and then being a light to the nations. Right where you're at, as a business owner, as a career woman, as a homemaker, how are you actually bringing people into the open, into the light? Are you introducing the light of the world to them? Are you releasing people from prisons and dungeons? What does that look like in our everyday life? There are people all around us. You will meet people through your IG account. You will meet people through your business. You will meet people if you're a doctor. And as they walk and come and sit before you, as you do business with them, as you interact with them, you will find that they are struggling. People are hurting. People are confused. And you may not have all the answers, but you can provide a listening ear. You can do that which is right by them. You can speak to them about the one who saved your life. And that's how when we present the gospel of Jesus to those in our world, that's when we set them free. The captives are made free. The blind can see, the deaf can hear, the lame can walk again. It is only when they hear the gospel of Jesus through us, only when they see the way we live, the way we treat our spouses, the way we treat our children, the way we treat the help, the way we conduct ourselves in private, those are the things which will count for something. And that is the way a true servant of Christ carries himself. And the question is this, are we totally committed to this call? Are we all in? It's so easy sometimes to be so all in to certain things that may not constitute the call of God on our lives. What are some things that have taken you away from the call? Maybe it was the pursuit of a business And somewhere down the line, you forgot that God has called you for something bigger through his business. Maybe you forgot what the the underlying undergirding factor was 
of doing this particular work. Maybe you've just gotten to the motions of going and signing in at work, sitting at your desk and coming home and you forgot that your calling is to live right and to live bright. I love what Jesus is Great commission sounds like in the message version. It says this, Jesus undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day, right up to the end of the age. He has a mission for each one of us. Each one of us are different. And so the Great Commission is tailor-made to each one of us. You could be a school teacher. That is your space of going in and telling them the good news of living like Jesus did. You could be a nurse who handles the toughest patients in a clinic. That is your space to go and tell that world about Jesus. Maybe you are someone who's just a college student. You don't have to disqualify yourself. That is where... You go and you train everyone. You tell them about Jesus. You bring them into the kingdom. The beauty is that when we're totally committed to the call, serving Christ becomes so easy because we have complicated it. We think, you know what? I can serve God, but I can't serve people. It's actually indivisible. You cannot remove those two. When I serve God, serving people just comes naturally. Do people let me down? Are people difficult? Yes. But ultimately, more than serving them, I'm serving God. And so when I'm totally committed to the call, I have this one-track mind of serving him with giving him my all, of deciding to live the way he asked me to live, of living in a way where I'm drawing more into the kingdom. That's what Jesus did. Jesus lived an understated life. When I think about it, three years, that's all he had. But he was so focused on the, on the mission that his father had set for him. He never got deterred. He took breaks. He rested, he slept, he prayed, he ate. He did all of that, but he never lost track of his focus. He was always making time for the one. He was making time for that man in the tree. He made time for the woman at the well. He never thought, this is too insignificant. Why would I have to spend time with her? No. There are a lot of times as parents when our children bring arguments and things to us. Some arguments seem so ridiculous. You just, you gloss over it. Tell them, guys, don't bring stupid stuff like this to me. I love that when a crowd brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus, he didn't say, okay, guys, come on. This is way below my pay grade. No. He actually stooped down to minister in that moment. I wonder if we are like that. How many God moments have we missed in our lives? Because we overlooked the call of God on our lives. Maybe you're running a business that feels it at its last stretch. Don't give up. Even in the last stretch, there's a call of God on your life. There is something that he wants you to accomplish. Will you be totally committed? Will you be all in? My personal conviction has shifted in this area. You know, when I was preparing for this, I realized that um, I assumed that God served at my pleasure. Isn't that weird? My, my name, Christine, actually means a follower of Christ. And like I said, I loved the word follower of Christ because it implies distance. But I had never thought that I'm a servant of Christ as much as I'm a follower, which means I serve at his pleasure. I've thought that by praying, I can direct his ways for me. I thought that when I asked him for healing, he has to give it to me. 
Well, all of that is true. You know, we have this, we have this authority because of Jesus and what he did for us. We do sit in the heavenly realms with Christ. We do have access to everything. But the interesting thing is this. I needed to pivot in my perspective and see that I am a servant of Christ, which means that where he tells me I will go, I must go. I can't negotiate that. What he asked me to say, I must say. What he asked me to write, I must write. How he asked me to live, I must live. It's important that I remember that I need to be a servant of Christ in order to actually remember that I need to be totally committed to this call. If I was going to keep thinking that, you know, I'm a buddy with Jesus. I am, you know, I'm on equal footing. You know, I'm a co-heir with Christ. So, you know what? I can just, you know, breeze through. I can have my hand around him. He's my friend. It somehow messes up the dynamic of where I need to step down and say, I serve you, Lord. I will, I will honor you with my obedience. You ask me to do something, I'll do it. I will not question you because you are the master. I am the servant. That's what shifted for me this week. And so I want to ask you this. Will you serve at his pleasure? Will you say to him today, Lord, for too long, I have equated myself to you. I have told you what to do for me. For too long, we have taken verses and used it to our advantage. He will give you the desires of his, of your heart. We take that and we say, you know what, God, you want to give me the desires of my heart. Well, here's the thing. I need to be ready to obey him because I am a servant. He's the master. Once I get that dynamic right, it helps. Just to clarify, you might say, but didn't Jesus say, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. Interestingly, that verse in John 15 continues. It says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command. So it's only when I live in obedience to God that he calls me a friend. My friendship with God is contingent on my obedience. Obedience has to come very naturally to the servants of Christ. So will you and I choose to be completely committed to the call? Whatever the call of God is, it is basically the great commission tailor-made to your situation. Are you committed to the call? Will you be in it for the long haul? However hard you're in, in a season right now, will you stay committed to the call of God on your life? That's the first thing. The second thing, the second thing I believe that as servants of Christ, what is expected of us is that we would have an undivided loyalty to the one. Undivided loyalty to the one. So we, we first looked at a total commitment to the call. And the second thing is undivided loyalty to the one. Isaiah 42 verse 8, this is what it says. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. It feels like God is being repetitive about who he is. When you look at Isaiah 41, he talks about the futility of idols. Why? Why was he emphasizing idolatry and why do we need to look at it better and in a closer way? It's because all of us, every human, we are trained we are, we are tuned, we are so hell-bent towards turning to anything that attracts our fancy, anything that could take our focus off from God. Idolatry comes easily to us. The, the Israelites at that time had refused to look at the one true God, had refused to listen to his prophets, and they had turned to the idols of all the neighboring countries. They had allowed themselves to be indoctrinated by culture. They had allowed themselves... To stop serving the one true God and offer sacrifices of all kinds of types to, to pagan deities. 
And God was distressed with him. He says, I am the one true God. You cannot exchange me for another. And God was very clear. He kept explaining how he was not an idol. When he explains the futility, he says, those are things made by your hands. It will not answer you when you pray. It will not commit some great miracle for you. I do that because I am the one true living God. He's very emphatic as to who he is in comparison with an idol. Oswald Chambers said this, beware of anything that competes with your loyalty to Jesus Christ. Sometimes very good things compete with our loyalty to Jesus Christ. Our idols are many. So many things take the place of God in our lives. In the Greek, the word for loyalty is kone, which actually means firm, stable or established. Think about it like this. How many times in the past year have you gone back and forth on your faith? You thought God told you something and then suddenly you were like, maybe I just thought that myself. Oh, maybe God won't do anything. Maybe I should just go and, you know, check with my friend about, you know, that job that I kept asking him for because God is obviously not doing anything. God promised me a child, but nothing's happening in that space. Maybe I'll, you know, look to other options. How many times has her loyalty wavered in the past one year? It's just something for you to think about. It's a very personal question because we as Christians don't want to be told that we're not firm in the faith, that we're not established, that we're not steady. But that's how human we are. And God is calling us to a place. A servant must be loyal to the master. When I think about loyalty, I think about uh, my father's love for the West Indian cricket team. So growing up, uh, my brother is actually named after one of the West Indian cricketers. That's how much my dad loved the team. And for as long as I remember, he was so such a passionate fan. But more than that, he was loyal to the team. They didn't even know they had such a loyal fan uh, sitting in Bangalore, India. But he was so loyal that even if the whole family met up for a World Cup, um, you know, a finals match, and if West Indies was playing against India, he would solely sit and watch, um, you know, the, the part just by himself because everyone would be cheering for India. He alone would be cheering for West Indies. It used to be so funny for me because I never understood how someone could be so loyal to a team and that too, they were not doing so well after a point. They did have a peak. And when they started to decline... I remember my brother and I used to try to convince him and say, you know, you should just pick another team. England plays well. India plays well. He said, no, it's West Indies all the way. And today I see my son like that. When, when my kids watch TV, when they watch a cricket match, my, my youngest uh, son and my daughter, they love switching teams and, you know, supporting some other team. But our oldest, who's a cricketer himself, says, I will not support anyone else but India. Even if they lose, I'll stand by them. And I wonder if our loyalty towards God is like that, unwavering. Even if things are not going my way, even if my prayer didn't get answered, Lord, I'll be loyal to you. Because if you, if you say you are a promise-keeping God, I believe it. Maybe the promise is not happening right now in my time frame, but I still believe it. Loyalty is so, so not seen nowadays. It's a hard-to-get commodity. It's funny because today... Culture dictates our loyalties. Social media dictates who we should be loyal to. We have become so caught up in what goes by the world standards that we've forgotten that our loyalty should belong only to the one. Some of us who have very public personas, maybe you are on social media a lot, maybe you have a big presence there, you have a lot of followers. And even when you have something to celebrate, you hesitate to mention God. 
and in a pluralistic world like us it's good if you mention the name of jesus but you stay safe he's calling you to loyalty he's saying will you stand up for me will you be steady and firm some of you have been wavering in the faith and you think it's okay because well life is like that it goes through ups and downs so i'll choose jesus sometimes and then you know push him to the corner he's calling you to a firm place with him will you be loyal to the one sometimes you think about it you know when in a world like ours we have our feet in two two boats we have uh, the one foot is in the paradigm of doing things the old way you know before christ i did business like that it's comfortable to do it like that let me keep doing it and then the, the other like is the other boat which is the paradigm of doing it the jesus way and it's always in conflict but he's saying get into one boat already do things the way i asked you to do it loyalty implies being firm being steady being steady and established in what god is calling us maybe you have been more loyal to the family of origin that you were born in than to god who has called you maybe you have been more loyal to your marriage and to your children than you have been to god you've actually lost the way at some point god is calling you back the beautiful thing that you know when when i say that some of you might freak out and say well is god asking me to give up everything no he's asking us to reprioritize so that my greatest loyalty is to him god what is it that you want me to do i'll stay loyal to you what is it you want me to uh, how is it you want me to handle this situation culture tells me to do this what is it you ask me to do in this situation could i urge you that you would stay loyal to the one who gave everything up for you by coming to the earth could you stay loyal to the one who ransomed you back from a life that would have been in bondage and slavery would you stay loyal to the one who rescued you from darkness and brought you into light will you stay loyal to the one who died for you and rose again just so that you don't have to face eternal condemnation remember this that the good things in your life can become an idol if we overemphasize them if we look at them way too much and take our eyes off jesus Matthew 6:24 this is what Jesus says okay this is in the amplified and it blew my mind he says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon money possessions fame status or whatever is valued more than the lord i don't think i have to explain that we cannot serve two masters we cannot serve the things that promote us and push us to the forefront we need to serve either that or god who will you choose will you choose to be loyal as i conclude i just want to share a small story it's it's something that i was watching on the crown this week um as i was watching the story of the crown evolve in season 5 um there was this very minor character who appeared and i was very curious about him so i was reading up a bit because i knew i was going to be talking along the lines of a servant so i was looking at the life of one called sydney johnson now sydney johnson was the valet a personal valet and servant to the duke of windsor now who was the duke of windsor he was the king who abdicated his throne and gave it to his brother because he wanted to marry a um a wealthy heiress who was a divorcee so he actually abdicated his throne and moved out and he moved to france um she was an american so he didn't want to stay in the uk he left everything that he knew and he moved off when he moved to france he met this young man called sydney johnson and took him in 
as his personal valley and um it's said that he loved him like a son even though he was his valley he taught him everything he needed to know about being a butler he taught him how to dress he taught him how to dress him and um, so this guy you learned everything from the duke of windsor he was as close as a son it says and it's interesting because sydney attended to all of his master's needs and it says history says he was a treasured part of the duke's life this is a servant this is a valley and this was a man of royalty what a beautiful relationship and this got me thinking you know uh, earthly servants especially in an indian connotation we look at servants and we think i don't want to be that but you know just bear with me earthly servants may or may not get an inheritance we may or may not sit at the table of our master we may or may not know the master's intentions in hearts earthly servants but when we are servants of christ it's beautiful because in saying yes to him in staying committed to the call that he has called us to do in doing the things he asks us to do in saying the things he asks us to say in being loyal to him above everything else it's beautiful because we get adopted into his family and we have rights to that inheritance that he has for us we get to hear because of intimacy with him because of friendship with him i get to hear his heart and the holy spirit speaks about the things to come and so i know his intentions isn't it beautiful so while earthly servants don't get much sydney johnson was left with a small inheritance in the bahamas he had something small given to him by the duke of windsor our heavenly father and us such a beautiful relationship because while we are his servants he calls us into relationship we're not made to sit in the outhouse he calls us to his table but the point is will you and i say yes lord i will serve at your pleasure what you ask me to do i'll do unreserved obedience i will do that so well i'm going to ask you that question again are you okay with being called a servant of christ does it offend you as much as it did at the beginning of this word that's important it implies that when we say yes to being servants that we will be as humble as he was that wherever we are whatever space we occupy as much as the world tells us to self promote and be loud and brash and attract attention can we be like that servant king who did his work quietly in an understated way without drawing attention to himself but passing all of the glory on to god will you and i serve like that will we constantly die to that tendency for self promotion for selfish gain and look more to the kingdom how can i bless the kingdom through what i'm called to do right now will i choose commitment to the call sometimes it's easier to say the call's too hard lord let me just do what i want to do but instead will i say yes again and again and again to what he's called me to do and will i be very exclusive in who i choose to turn to and worship it's very tempting in today's time to turn our eyes off jesus to look at all of the help available and say i choose that over jesus but will you and i be loyal to him to the very end because the interesting thing is this when i close my eyes and enter eternity he's going to want to say to me well done good and faithful servant he's not going to say well done good and faithful author he's not going to say well done good and faithful influencer he's not going to say well done good and faithful businessman 
while all of those things are very important where you're called right now what you've been asked to do is very important on earth but are you doing all of those things in service to the king that space you're occupying as a business person as an influencer as an entertainer do you live in complete and total dependence on jesus because if that's the case when you meet him he's going to say well done good and faithful servant so as i close i want to just pray for us and ask god to help us to tread that line between friendship and sonship and servanthood beautifully it's a tension that we live in it's a tension that we must live in and it's a tension we must embrace and say lord i'm ready i'm committed i will stay loyal can we just make that our prayer today father we thank you we thank you that you have called us your children i thank you that lord when we do as you say when we walk in obedience you call us your friends i thank you father for those who've gone before we thank you for abraham and moses and others who walked so closely david who walked so closely with you who you considered as friends and lord today we come before you and ask that we will walk as loyal and committed servants to jesus if there's been disobedience if there's been pride if there's been a barrier that has kept us from serving lord we're sorry and we ask that you would once more revive in us a heart that is willing to serve you a heart that is willing to lay it all down for you help us o oh father help us tread this tension with ease help us o oh lord to find that sweet spot where we're so close to your heart where we can hear your voice where we know your intentions and yet we are ready to say lord what would you have me do help us oh father help us to live in such surrender and obedience to you we come completely give ourselves over to you in jesus name i pray amen amen have an amazing week i believe that we are called to be servants of the most high god and that you would enjoy this journey it's not a hard one it's not one that you have to dread it's going to be amazing so god bless you thanks for listening to this message we hope you were blessed to hear more messages like this make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes if you like what you are hearing consider rating us subscribing and even sharing it with friends that would really help us for more content from via zion and to connect with us go to viazion.in remember whoever finds jesus finds life